Right. Gotta make some <clears throat> content. I'm getting desperate. <laughs> All right, fuck. <laughs> We are hottest one hundred and thousands, and we are taking control of your R A D R O station. For the next hour or so, we're going to be talking about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest One Hundred. My name is Fat Boy Deej, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again. Andrew McDonald. Thank you, David. Nathan Harris. So good. Oh, my God. Adam Buncher. Do you ever wonder, like, what people think when they turn on their first episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands before they know the thing? I think they think, I'm home. <laughs> I think I'm at home with pressing plus 15. <laughs> They're like, man, it's a great feature. I just love Steve Jobs. <laughs> Thank you, Deej. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Pleasure as always. Are you guys ready to rock? I am. I'm ready to this next song, 100%. Hell yeah, bitch. Let's do it. At number 65, it's UMI with Rumble. At number 65 in the 1998 Hottest 100, that's a song called Rumble. Adam. Yo. You work in R-A-D-I-O. Oh, yeah. And you're also a big fan of Ronnie James D-I-O. I'm a massive fan of Ronnie James D-I-O. <laughs> so, like, I think this song is, is tailor-made for you. <laughs> yeah. What's the most you've ever paid for a haircut? Uh, the most of have paid for a haircut? Yeah, let's, okay, let's-, let's go most and least. Yeah, it's prices right this shit. Yeah. One dollar. <laughs> Honestly, they've they've all roughly been around sixty bucks. Yeah, right. Jesus yeah. Christ! You, you yeah, that's, re- you've, that's regular. You've never like been it's like ten adjusted. times what, <laughs> what, what Tim Rogers what Tim paid paid for yeah. a haircut. Wow. Wow. Look at the inflation rate. Ten times as good as Tim's hair. <laughs> No, I've well, seen. Why I've are you seen, even hesitating? No, uh, it wasn't. No, well, I've seen Tim's hair. I was going to say, and it was just me coming to terms with the fact that no, no, yeah, just coming to terms with that because his hair. Do you reckon when he plays that song now, he's like changed it for inflation rates? <laughs> <laughs> it cost me about thirty fucking bucks. Yeah. Like, even if it's a shitty barber, thirty-two yeah. seventy-five. That was one of the things stuck out. It's like, oh yeah, late nineties, six bucks. Just- 
projects out. It's yeah, like, that's no, a good haircut. There's, but no, there's no way you could find a barber for six quid now. Like, even you could like, do ten. Even, even like you just cut to like 12 bucks or whatever, I think. But you have to also pay the additional price when you go to just cuts of walking past the really creepy Grant Denyer cutout. Yeah, oh, and also it's to, really disturbing. You have to pay the additional cost of making small talk with the hairdresser. <laughs> like, how was your and day? then making small no talk with Grant Denyer when you realise it's not a cutout. <laughs> 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 Did you say <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, good day, mate. Yeah, congrats on the Logie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> will you be cutting my hair, Chris? <laughs> yes, I will. I don't have a job anymore. Do you come with a haircut? <laughs> oh, you. So that, I mean, like, that line is a fantastic way for the song to start. It's just another classic, and I don't know what it is, and maybe you guys can help me out here, but, like, it's such, again, such a UMI line. There are just certain lines in their songs that you just go, like, that could not belong to any other band. And for Tim Rogers to sing, I got a new haircut that cost me just six bucks. It's just so UMI. To me, I can't define it any further than that. Like, what makes it so UMI? But it is, right? There's something very, like city living but not inner city living about that's it. That's exactly like, what I was going to say. It's like when you're out like on the suburbs of a city. Like that's like, the Tim Rogers aesthetic. You know like a place in Marrickville where you can get a cheap haircut or something like that. Yeah, that that's yeah, kind yeah. of what yeah. this that's doing that. This Wollongong content or yeah. a haircut from the Wan Long which you can get. <laughs> <laughs> you can get haircuts from Wan Long. Yeah man I'm not going to out the person I know who gets them from there or got them from there. <laughs> oh it's your dad. He was my dad. <laughs> I remember you telling me that before. Damn, I mentioned it before. Yeah. Like, this is the second time I mentioned the one law in the podcast. One time for Max Senior. Yeah. Context. There's an Asian grocers in Wollongong yeah. and they also do haircuts for some reason. <laughs> there you go. Probably six bucks. Yeah. And from what I can tell, the rest of the song is just the, about the joy of fanging it in a car and smashing the radio really loudly, which is just Hell like... Yeah. One of the true, pure, wonderful musical experiences that you can have with your mates in like not an expensive car. Like it was a hand-me-down. You got you got up like seven hundred bucks and a piece of shit, but the hi-fi works and mm-hmm. a song you like comes That's on it. and it's super loud and it's sunny outside. I imagine that the radio in this particular car also the speakers are just a bit shitty. Like there's too much bass. <laughs> yeah. it's, when you turn it up too loud, it, it vibrates way too much. But it doesn't matter because it's all about the rumble. It's about the feeling. It's about being in the space of your favorite song. Yeah. in in that way. There's a tape um, deck, but you can't get the tape out of it. It's broken. We said this on the radio. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Or it's just like, I'll just listen to that tape. Yeah. It's like, good thing it happens to be one of my favorite yeah. albums now. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Stockholm Syndrome. The R-A-D-I-O chorus, it's just so sincere. It's like, yeah, man, the fucking radio. That's where we got heaps of great music. That's where I found heaps of the, my favorite songs with being in the 90s and the radio's on. It was the best. Yeah. There's something that's also like, in terms of like reading class into this song, it's very working class, I think. Yeah. It's just, and youth. You know, and you, yeah, but like, yeah, youth, you know, you work a casual job. It captures that so, mm-hmm. so well, I think, in terms of the content of the lyrics, in terms of like, when you do own that kind of car, that's the kind of time that you do. Like, that's the kind of experience that you have at that time in terms of hanging around, listening to music. Um, all the stuff about, like, putting everything you own into a plastic bag as well, like, contributes to mm. that. It's such a good line as well. And the music just communicates the fun of it as well. Like, yeah, this it's, is... it's such a, gla- like, a New York Dolls, like, glammy, yeah, yeah mm. super big power chords, striding big rock and roll sound you know because yeah. the, the riff works heaps hard but like it's a super simple riff right like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just bright though it's it just, needs it's to be the texture. It, yeah exactly right it needs yeah. to just be those yeah. four chords kind of sounds like Bohemian Like You in a way yeah, yeah. I can yeah. see yeah. a bit of that. It's it's like that. It, it follows a similar chord progression yeah yeah 
Yeah, but it's also like, it's what UMI, when you said that opening lyric was so UMI-y, what's distinctly UMI is that if you gave these ingredients to any other band, this simple riff, a, mm. a sincere song just about the joys of FM radio rock and driving in a car, yeah. it could come out so much worse. And it's partly it's obviously Tim is charisma distilled into a front man. But yeah. also oh, yeah. just like the yeah. swagger of the song is just like, yeah, man, it's a sunny day and I'm going to the beach. Like, yeah. it's just so lovely. It's, it's just so it's, fucking it sincere. Really and it's a song about choosing to win, I think. You know, like you could easily look at the situation that's painted in the song. It's like, cool, I've only got six bucks to spend on a haircut. I, I Everything I own is literally in a plastic bag and this car's radio is dog shit. Mm. <laughs> and you could be sad, but it's not. It's about choosing to like wear the win of that with swagger your own swagger translates yes. your situation into a win it's like that's that's something that's available to you and mm. it only takes a song like this to get there it's it's kind that's of like nice. the song that this song is about is also the song itself yeah this is the song that you play in that car at the same time as it being about that like we all being like teenagers who like music and then uni yeah. students who listen to music a lot and like have been in a car where radio has been playing <laughs> like all have these kind of memories but I'm so jealous of the people who were 17 years old and like bunked off from school early and put this on the radio and drove somewhere that, that would have been the best afternoon like it would have been so good. fucking delightful in 1999 eight what year is this what year eight, is this? Eight, yeah. 98. In Who's the president? Yeah. Radio-friendly rock bands do that idea of writing a song about, like, music is fun. And it's always something that's infectious to me. I always like that idea when bands are being like, you know what, music's fucking cool. Or that's mm. important. This is kind of also about the mythology of UMI. Like, Tim writing a song about how important music is, is just about him and about UMI and how they mm. got to this point. You can't help but imagine that driving around in this car is like a formative moment that leads to Tim Rogers being Tim Rogers. Yeah. You know? Oh my God, it's an origin story. It, well, it kind of is. Like, and, and that's Rogers like, begins. So many songs like that that are about like, you know, getting into music when you're really young or like there's really important songs. Mm. That's that's what they do. They kind of help mythologize the band, but also just drive home, I guess, like the band's place in a, in mm. a bigger context. Yeah. Also because this was their, like after their two kind of critical favourite records and this is also their third record that reached number one on the independent albums chart so like they're at a point now where like it might be fun to look back on these useful moments where you were a poorer shittier person but you had the passion for music hugely there's nothing macabre about this song but like Mm. that idea of just like being like we've got where we are and that's so fucking cool that we're a band that people love and our albums sell well that's so fucking amazing god music is cool I think it also speaks to the power of Tim Rogers coming from a genuine love of music which we've also seen referenced in the fact that he just like has quotes for other Australian bands going around at the time that are always glowing or whatever yeah Yeah. that's what the power is this is the origin but I reckon that's what developed from it I think it's worth noting how different this is to a lot of other UMI tracks that we've kind of talked about it's it's a big shift it's more like a custard song, or uh, or even some of those other Brisbane soon as, rock bands. As soon as the guitar the starts, I think Stones like that. Huh? The sound of that guitar makes me think. Yeah, because as in rolling. Yes. yes. Sorry. Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> mighty mighty buzz. Yeah. Because <laughs> Rogers has said numerous times that his biggest influence is the Kinks, and you can yeah, see that yeah. so obviously. There's but this great, is more Stones than Kinks. Yeah. There's a great um, faster, louder line from the 
review of this album. For a band that always styled itself on the sloppy swagger of the stones, the clever wordplay of the kinks, and the brazen cheek of the faces, number four is about as close as they got to an amalgam of that holy trinity. Mm. Which is nice. Yeah. And I, 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 can, I can feel that in this song. One I don't thing know who I, the faces one, are. Yeah, but. One thing I do remember is that this is UMI's last album as a trio. Yeah. So this was Tim and James T R I O. I fuck that. <laughs> no, that's great. I love it. Um, so Mr. Timothy Rogers on guitar, um, Andrew Charles Kent on the bass, and Russell Rusty Hopkinson on the drums. And uh, they were joined by Mr. Davy Lane a couple of years after this, and he made his debut for them on their album Dress Me Slowly. Playing the jaw harp. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or is it sometimes known the Jew harp? I specifically didn't use the kind of racist one. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> well, <laughs> as we know, I'm, uh, as is well documented by the corrections department, I'm a racist. <laughs> But this album is interesting as well, um, and this isn't the only track from uh, UMI's number four record that we'll talk about. No. Um, but they worked with an American producer, George Draculius, mm. and Tim Rogers said like he really put them through the ringer. They had a horrible time recording this album because they just didn't get to hang out. It was just like a really miserable time. But I think it's just that after these two behemoths of Australian albums, you know, mm. into Hi-Fi Way and Owly Daily, and then trying to push that forward. So, you know, getting an American producer on board and pushing into some new space. Um, but yeah, apparently the recording experience itself was a horrible time for them. The message is true for us all. Just avoid Americans. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of Americans. <laughs> <laughs> At number 64, this is Antenna. The song is called Come On Spring. <laughs> Come on. Rising from a winter sleep. Coming right up from the Number 64 in the 1998 Hottest 100 with a song called Come On Spring. Spring was my nickname in high school. Uh, so, uh, this, for those of you playing at home, is a side project for previous Hottest 100 alum, uh, Mr. Dave Faulkner from the Hoodoo Gurus. And I believe Mr. Kim Salmon of uh, The Scientist is also a part of this short-lived project born in the wake of the end of Hoodoo Gurus. 
Andrew. I was born in the wake of Hoodoo Guru. You were. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you were totally alive when Hoodoo Guru yeah, saw you were things. born in their prime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine the night they the night they played their final show, a baby was born? So and that it's happened. Just like, <laughs> like, that happened. Uh, obviously, it happened, but like, I'm talking about that baby was reincarnated <laughs> as the Hoodoo Guru. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and then when they reform, he just dies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Suddenly. Um, that that baby like, would have only been six years old. So oh, that's not funny anymore. Uh, sorry, sorry, Bob. <laughs> it's just that thing of like, would you kill an innocent child to yeah. like solve, you know, world hunger or whatever? But it's, would you kill an innocent child to reform the Hoodoo <laughs> Gurus? Yeah. And I was like, look, I like the Hoodoo Gurus. Like, they're some good songs, but like, come on. It's, it's like you... this dystopic movie. It's like some secret agent comes up to me and he's just like, you gotta choose this young boy or the Hoodoo Guru before he's finished the <laughs> sentence. I'm already in a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Certified fresh. <laughs> Walk up to Dave Faulkner. I'm just like, it's in your hands now, man. <laughs> Make it worth it, please. <laughs> yes, Antenna. Um, oh. Dave Faulkner's band post Hoodoo Gurus. Um, he was the singer of Hoodoos and like their main songwriter, I believe. Yes. Yeah, he formed it with Kim Salmon, who was in Scientist and Beast of Bourbon. Yes. And a handful of other rock bands. Been, I think he played with Dirty Three for a period. Just a kind of legendary underground Australian guitarist. And a few other people were in the band as well. This was by far their biggest single from their only album called Installation. That album also features uh, Matt Thomas of the Mavises. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Who we'll talk about in a very distant future. Yes. Um, this obviously quite a bit different to Hoodoo Gurus. And they're like super, what's my scene? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of stuff. Look, I've got a soft spot for trip hop. I know. <laughs> but like. Not when like, your dad's making it. Yeah. Though. Like, I don't know, Dave. Like, I reckon this is a swing and a miss. <laughs> like, this like, is another like, instance of dad's co opting trip hop. <laughs> yes. And like, the chorus, come on, spring, do your thing. Like,. I'm, I'm not here for it at all. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm also not here. Yeah, but you know who probably was there for it, though? Farmers. <laughs> farmers. Oh, man. Farmers will love the antenna. Yeah. yeah. Farmers. They want spring. They love spring. Ma, the rain doesn't mean they area. love Marge. songs Marge. about spring. I reckon they do. They might like, I don't know, Dio. Do you have any songs about spring? Mm-hmm. Probably. Maybe. Mm. And um, what's other songs you read? Vivaldi's yep. Four Seasons. <laughs> Spring Sweet. In Bloom by Nirvana. Get a good farming mixtape going. Yeah. I've said before, it's really interesting seeing like bands, like when we spoke about that Midnight Oil song, Redneck Wonderland, and we're saying like, it's interesting to think about a band as like canonical as Midnight Oil having to experiment with their sound in the wake of 90s experimental pop and electronic music and similar with like this right like the Hoodoo Gurus are just a straight up rock and roll band and then for Faulkner obviously not in the Hoodoo Gurus anymore but he knows how to write guitar meaty rock songs and then he tries his hand with some different kind of stuff like that maybe because like it's a new band got to try some new sounds and he just liked the kind of thing like that but it's just like you can tell this is not his primary wheelhouse it's a it's just a swing and a miss of a trip hop thing and the chorus is honestly I think it's pretty cringy yeah, no, I'm with you. I I love Dave Faulkner. I I think yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's absolute up. absolute legend. And I think he's a great songwriter. Mm. Super lovely dude as well. He does so much even now for you know the Australian music industry. He was involved in like keeping venues open and stuff like that recently as well. That's why I I'm kind of upset. Yeah. That I really don't like this song. Like, you, you, you it's can, you, you so can, lame. It's so yeah, lame. You, you can tell that they only made the one album, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, it, no, nobody's like, man, 
Where's the other? Like, <laughs> it's all like I can imagine them like... playing this on recovery, and Dave's just there in like a silk shirt, like not playing guitar, just singing. And maybe he's got like a drum machine next to him or something. And everyone's just like, "Oh, this isn't our regular Dave. It's a cool Dave." Yeah, someone is like, "I hope they play what's my scene after this." <laughs> <laughs> oh, but they do. But it's like a super it's a like tripped one. out. Yeah. It feels like this is nobody's like most important project at this point in their lives. Oh Jesus, yeah. no. And there's like, no urgency or anything. It, 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 to the it song. feels like nobody who recorded this song was super into making this song. Yeah, I think it was probably just a fun time to hang out and be like, hey, let's just write some songs. And, and if they don't work, then we walk away. <laughs> Everyone's already got their foot out the door. Yeah. <laughs> Weird but to see it this high. It's got to be a. Bizarre. It's, it's just absolutely it's a vote fucking for the bizarre. personnel. Yeah, a V for the M. Yeah. Vote for the man. They also played The Big Day Out. Again, I think, it's, I think you're just... Yeah, because of... Yeah, early yeah that, that's definitely a cool by association yeah, situation. Yeah, that, right that's there. like you see, like, contemporary Bob Dylan concerts. If right. you know that was Bob Dylan, he couldn't sell out the fucking yeah. any stadium. Mm. And it's like, you know, there's, you know, like, Dave and, and other notable Australian musicians. Maybe if this isn't their first album, they go on to be a thing and make really interesting music and so i think you know like festivals or whatever are kind of like hedging their bets a bit yeah. it's it's a safe bet because people are still going to watch it because it's dave yeah yeah but also who knows what they'll do maybe they'll be good yeah <laughs> i will say i think unfairly we are criticizing dave for the beats they were handled, oh, no no no, no. I, I don't mean um, to slander dave too much for the entire song <laughs> no, 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 no. he's one of a band yeah, yeah yeah but the beats themselves are handled by Stuart mccarthy and justin frew from a techno slash house outfit called South End. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now the other thing that those guys did like the South End of good. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> I.e. <eat> bad. <laughs> they did a um, South Good. <laughs> they did a dance floor mashup of the uh, Olympic Committee Chairman Juan Antonio Samaranch announcing that uh, Sydney would be the host of the 2000 Olympics. Wow. Oh my god! That's the, that's the other thing they're famous for. Fuck, I gotta hear that, man. That sounds Jesus, so bad. Tap dance and Christ. I think it might sound a little something like this. And the I just keep saying Dave because he's the one I know the material of the most. Yeah, yeah. Like, Old mate. And, like, I've heard a bunch of Kim Salmon tracks as well. But, like, there's nothing about this that reminds me of anything that, like... Like, you can tell it's him singing. But you, so you don't hear any, like, oh, man, Kim Salmon really brings the bass of bourbon guitar sound to this. And- I don't think it is Dave singing. Is it not? I don't... From the video, I don't think that's him. Oh, I'm dragging him very unnecessarily. Yeah. <laughs> that's Kim. Yeah. Oh, it was Kim's oh, wow. fault. wow. You wrote that oh song. my god, there actually is a performance the, of them on, on recovery. recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought you knew. <laughs> no, no, like literally. Yeah. This yeah, that's is, a silk shirt. Holy shit. And there's just so much weird stuff going on, like the strings and the synths and the French. Oh, can yeah. We talk about, oh, about yeah. the French. Can we talk about the French? Well, you can't say it like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, this is clearly no one's favorite anything, right? No. I don't entirely think it would have been a vote for the man or the men. Yeah. I, I think partly it would have been, like, people were interested in, like, I know, in a guitar rock dominated landscape, a bit of different sounding beat driven music would break up the playlisting on Triple J and some people just like that enough, apparently, to get it to fucking yeah. 64. Mm. That's so wild. It's so, it's weirdly high. Yeah. 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 I mean, they probably were as well when they made this, so, like... <laughs> Full credit to the boys. It's fully the first, like, one in, 
like a little while of a band of people that I've known and been like, oh, that's disappointing. Not yeah. like particularly shitty, even though it is pretty shitty. But I'm like, this is a disappointing listen. It makes it so much less enjoyable than it already was yeah. because you you know that people. Can I don't do want to hate. I don't want to hate what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I do. Check it out now at number 63. It's Fat Boy Slim. This is the Rockefeller Skank. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now, the funk soul brother. Right about now, the funk soul brother. Check it out now. Funk soul brother, right about now. Funk soul brother, check it out now. Funk soul brother, right about now. Funk soul brother, right about now. Slim at number 63 in the 1998 host 100 of the song called The Rocker Fella Skank from the album You've Come A Long Way Baby Nathan Yeah Welcome to the podcast, Fatboy Slim. Yeah. Yes. This is awesome. I mean, so this is the first of several times that we'll be talking about Fatboy Slim because we're in the late 90s. And yes. so things are good. And other other big beat bands have yeah. already happened. And yeah. now, it's, now it's time for Norman. I've already yeah. changed into my I'm number one, so why try harder shirt? Nice. So like, nice. we, are, nice. we are raring to go. If I you... looked disturbingly like that kid growing up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know the story of, of Norman, um, he was a DJ uh, based in Brighton. I was watching a nice video interview of him. He and his uh, collaborator, Gareth Hansom, uh, aka G-Money, were kind of sick of travelling to London to go to shows, so they opened their own club in Brighton called um, Boutique Nightclub, where they and their friends would just DJ and just try things. And Norman, uh, you know, I've watched interviews where he's talking about, like, he grew up on the Beatles and the Stones, then he got into punk when that was happening, then he got into hip-hop, and he's sort of at this point now, and he's like, oh, I kind of like, I like all this music, I just want to put it all together, because that would be fun and good. Amazing. So good, right? Yeah. Um, And so that's kind of just what they were doing at the Boutique Nightclub, is just, just... playing tracks and messing around with things and kind of putting things together and having a good time with it and just just trying to make people dance. So similar to Tim Rogers, the powers of Norman Cook comes from just the love of what he yeah, was doing, right. the love of music. It's wholesome. And wow. I think we never get that collab in, in the 90s. Oh, man. oh, my God. Because I, I fully think of all the, like... British big beat style bands we've spoken about. Fatboy Slim is like the record collector geek of them. That's it. He like, he like totally codifies yeah. Did the idea. Did any of you own You've Come a Long Way? No, I, I had the best of. So right. Yeah. So uh, if you open up the like the booklet of You've Come a Long Way, baby, there's this like wide shot of his studio, like that goes across two bits of the the booklet. And all these records are on the shelves. He's got these massive decks and a big keyboard set up. And it's just like, all of that stuff is like antiquated now. But like at the time, it would have been like the absolute geek's dream yeah. to have that room. And that's how he put together 
Rockefeller Skank and everything and off everything. this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that always gets me is just like it's so easy to like get a sample, boom, and just fuck around with it now. Back in the day, you had to like pinpoint that shit. You had to re-record that shit, and you had to like painstakingly put all that shit together. If you wanted even, to, e- even using computer programs back then was fucked. Mm. When uh, we talk about an- another certain song that uses samples, uh, that's uh, coming up. Not to <laughs> name any names, but let's call let's call them P Pants Down or Pauline P. Mm. Uh, they did an interview for SBS where they showed you like the program that they were using back in the day. And just to get one sentence took, like, an hour. Right? Yeah, like, one line of the song took, like, an hour to splice and put together. We don't know how good we have it. Yeah. (laughs) So, so like, imagine imagine the fucking work that went into making a record like this. Yeah. There's just so much shit going on, and there's so many different moving parts. Well, that's like I think of um, a couple seasons ago when Nathan, your writing vote was DJ Shadow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, introducing, like, get Totally. Are you but I think me? Fatboy Slim really sort of codifies and popularizes that idea of the, the crate digging yeah. nerd who is going to spend all this time with all these really obscure samples. And, and even more than DJ Shadow is going to turn it into something that is just pure dancey fun. Fun. It's so much a part it's of... It's so much it's, fun. There is not f- very many artists, I think, that compare on a fun level to Fatboy Slim. And it's all oh, about yeah. the way he takes those DJ techniques and uses them for fun. Like, all yeah. the time stretching yes. in this song yeah. is so much fun. Like, you just get to enjoy that. And let it build up to things. But the, the, the sheer concept of this song already is ridiculous and therefore fun. Yeah. Like, I'm going to take this Funk Soul Brother line and I'm going to just keep doing it. If you were being serious, you'd do something else. Yeah, but, it's, <laughs> but he doesn't. Like, and he, like, just, he does it in the most ridiculous ways as well. Like, the slowdown, the part where he just isolates, bro, 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 bro. Like... The way he he takes it away and the way that he brings it back is just done. You can you can see him laughing as he does it. The choppy part, like we're right, but now yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like because that's the hook, and it's like I'm only I'm restricting myself to just using the hook, so I have to play with it in many different ways. But so it's all just a hook, 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 hook. Yeah. So fucking quality. You know what? It's playful. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's it like, is pure play. I think one of the most playful things about the song, and I've always loved it, is that when it has that the droned out like the. It so specifically goes on just a tiny bit too long. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, it's exactly. My it. parents hated it. Yeah, yeah. But it's 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 just long enough so that like, if someone hasn't heard the song before and that bit comes on, they would start saying, "Is this how long it's gone?" And then it comes back in. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that length. Like, yeah, yeah. If it was totally. Sec- if it was two seconds shorter, you, you'd, you'd be know like, it was oh, that's that. Or if like, it was longer, like, you'd be like, able like, to complain. Even the radio edit of this song is. Fucked. Yeah. Like everything yeah. about this song is fucked. <laughs> yeah. We need to emphasize this. Like, this was a song that was played on the radio. Yes. Like, this yeah. is a song with about, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds worth of accessibility. <laughs> that was enough to get it into several soundtracks, advertisements, and films. But let's not also forget that it does feature a 45-second chainsaws <laughs> and like a complete decimation of the song. And then the about now, about now, about now, about now, about now, about like 
And that goes on way too long for it. Like, even in the radio edit. That's even it. Even in the radio edit. Like, everything about this song should not work. If you tried to put this song on radio right now, they would laugh you out of the <laughs> fucking room. But this was the biggest dance song in the world. Your grandparents knew this fucking song. Yeah. I have the most vivid memory of hearing this song on the radio as a kid for the first time and being and bamboozled having my mind blown oh dude like, this was this is a dude. this is a music yes. breaking song yes for me. yes 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 like, how can it be this repetitive how can it have that weird slowed down chainsaw bit like how 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 i don't this, this jars in with, what world it jars with everything that i thought music was at that time and you know what is so fucking fascinating about this is that um cook has never made any money off this mm. song yeah Yes, it's to, true. It's split. Like, there's four main songs that he samples, and he has to split the royalties 25% either way. So yep. he has never made a dime off this, this song. This is his bittersweet symphony. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, but he controls it. Like, He knows that. Like, yeah, that's yeah. right. He and that's part of the Like, you know, it, that's part of the culture of yeah, this, you know, exactly right. tiny Brighton club. And, yeah. like, I think the first one he played was the Sliced Tomatoes, the Just Brothers, just the guitar bit. He just played that at the club one night and everyone just went nuts dancing to it. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, I'll remember that. I, oh, that's really I go, cool. I'm going to find something to go with that. And then he found the vinyl dogs. The The full line is... Check it out right about now. It's no other than the funk soul brother, the law of finesse. And you're welcome to the world of the vinyl dogs right about now. And he's like, cool. The way he says that is just so not hip-hop tempo. I'm going to take that. I can split it up. I can play it. So many different ways. And then, you know, the surf guitar came after that. Yeah. He was in Bali on holiday and he was like, I need something else for this song. And then watch people surfing. He was like, surf guitar. <laughs> Which is very good. It's very like, I imagine Fat Boy Slim constantly having light bulb moments yeah. of just seeing something very not connected to music. Yeah. And being like, aha. Like, you also just goes in. You just forget how inescapable this was. Like, this was at prime. This was at primary school discos. Like, you know, <laughs> really like, was. Did, did people at your school say like fucked your mother and stuff instead oh, of obviously? Was yeah, my school like, just terrible? No, my school just, was just not being like cheeky that. little naughty boy. How, yeah, would, yeah. how would they say? We just discovered swears. It's like check it out now. I fucked your mother. Right about now. Right about now. Fucked your mother. <laughs> yeah, that was probably it. I don't think there was anything more yeah. to it. I certainly remember um, people, idiots, making fun of it for its repetitive hook. And like, cause, like, cause you, you're like, mm. dummy, du- mm. dummy people. Yeah. yeah. Just dirt dog shit eaters. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the, Please don't hurt him. The fact that I think that, because he obviously went into it knowing that like he was not going to make money out of this song. And that, when you said, Nathan, about how he got into punk rock, and it's that kind of thing, right? The point isn't to make money off of this music. It's just to create the art. Yeah. And the art is making people dance. That's it. And it's like, this is just a fucking pure joy. I'm going to make money off it when I'm clubbing because I'm going to get cover charge. Yeah. I'm going to make a living as a performing DJ. The yeah. idea of becoming a DJ who releases CDs is pretty new still. So he doesn't care that that's not like a financial windfall for him. It's just this banging club tune that happens to work incredibly well as a piece of like CD music. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a Fatboy Slim show. Has any, like, uh, I wish, man. Yeah. He was here very recently, though. Stupid to not have gone. Yeah. Well, he played, I think he played a festival only. Oh, well, um, I'm not going to go to that. And he, he used to do like Bondi <laughs> yeah. Beach, like New Year's Eve every yeah. year for yeah. like, like, but again, he was, man, he, I'm not he going was to here Bondi. so much that like for 
a good chunk of my life I thought he was Australian. Mm. <laughs> Legitimately. Norman Cook, yeah, totally. Norman Gunston, one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my one of my um, uni lecturers um, for like production, who's just like a big tech guy, also is like heaps into club music and all that sort of stuff. And would right. often do lights for shows. And he did yeah. lights for one of Fatboy Slim's gigs in London. Right. And he, he would always tell us, out of my entire life one of the most theatrical moments. And this was a very, like, first lesson in first year theatre. Theatre is everywhere. It's not just whatever. <laughs> I got this exact got same, same talk. It's like as soon as you started saying yeah. this. Because we, we said, did the same uh, uni course. Yeah. And I know this guy and it, I know this talk. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Fatboy Slim getting everybody to wind up leading to the drop was one of the most perfectly and pure theatre moments of his life. Honestly, it'd be yeah. boring. Right? Yeah, but also, like... He because he was doing the lights as well, and yeah. so he was he was riding yeah. that build and yeah. ready for the job. I was like, fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And also, so like, like, I know that, like, theatre is everywhere, but all those people were fucking chewing their tongues off on MDMA. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. Theatre. Acting. 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 <laughs> Oh, Imagine yeah. Patrick Stewart dropping a ping and just right about now. Yeah. It's the Fox Soul Brother. <laughs> Speaking of Fatboy Slim's relationship to Australia, which just going back a little bit, he recently released. Uh, well, he didn't, but I mean, he obviously had something to do with it. Fatboy Slim vs. Australia, which is an EP of a bunch of Fatboy Slim songs covered by Australian artists. Oh yeah, yes. uh, that came out um, earlier this year. I heard about that. Yeah. There's something nice as well, like. Fatboy Slim is kind of just the right level of samples and messing around with it that you can produce it as a band or as a di- like you can there's there's a playfulness there. It's very hard to do that when you get much more song. technical or yeah. sample heavy. But Fatboy Slim's like the right point. Like you could do a you could do a rock cover of this song with a live band, mm. yeah, and you sure. get to have a lot of fun with it. Like hundred percent. Like in terms of like you going from the inaccessible to the accessible for Big Beat, you'd probably start with Chemical Brothers as the most heady prodigy, as at the middle ground, yeah. and Fatboy as like the pop accessibility, and yeah. it's just like so fucking infectious for that reason. Hundred percent. It's a miracle of a song. I'm so so glad. It yeah, yeah. It's, that, a fu- it's a fucking testament that he's still going. Hey, yeah. Like, he, hasn't, he hasn't really released new music anymore. Stop? Well, I, I don't know the specifics, but I think he has one of the biggest gaps in the history of times in the hottest 100. Like, I think it's like at least 10 years between Whoa. being in, uh, therefore, uh, I think it was Weapon of Choice or like Yo Mama or something off um, Halfway Between the Gutter and the Stars. And then getting back in, I think, start of like either 2011 or 2012 for Eat, Sleep, Rave, Repeat. Mm. So that's like 10 years. But, like, in that time, like, he, every year, would still do these massive festivals, made a fucking album with Iggy Pop, um, I think we're gonna need a bigger boat, um, like, yeah, has, has just still been so active and is still, yeah, such a creative mind in the world of dance music, but 20 years on has still never topped and will never top You've Come a Long Way Baby because it is such a precise moment in time. It is one of the greatest albums of any genre of all time, but, like, specifically a huge, huge moment in dance music. Mm. Check it out now. Sound of the summer. (laughs) Yeah! That's a good summer. At number 62, it's The Offspring with Gone Away.
Offspring coming in at number 62 in the 1998 Hottest 100 with a song called Gone Away from their 1997 album, Ixnay on the Ombre. Andrew. David. We, we got quite emotional uh, playing that banger just now. Just now we did, yeah. Um, yeah. Easy to do. Bit yeah, of reaching I mean, to the sky. Yeah, reached to the sky, called out their name. Dexter. Dexter. <laughs> the Noodles. Noodles. Greg, Greg K. K. <laughs> Ron. Yeah, weird to be talking about such a serious Offspring song in conjunction with uh, possibly their least serious song, which we're going to be talking about uh, a little later on. What? In the I thought this was their serious face. Yeah. I mean... Uh, as I've mentioned before, if you haven't listened to those Offspring episodes, the Offspring are definitely my drug of choice when it comes to pop punk. They were one of the first bands I remember consciously liking as a kid. It was like certainly my gateway into like proper punk rock music. And um, this, from the 1997 on the Ombre, having a friend with a cooler older brother, as so many people get into music that way, and he gave us the Smash Ignition and uh, Ixnay CDs, and we played them relentlessly. And this at the time, I'm like, when you're fucking nine years old, there's a little way to connect with such a serious song. Well, I remember <laughs> liking it kind of thing. But it's so interesting. We'll get to the context of the song in a moment. But just the song itself, I think... Absolutely fucking fantastic. So huge. Like, it's so, it's quite far from being what you think it's punk rock. It's got more in line mm-hmm. with, like, I guess, like 80s metal ideas and, like, yes. stadium rock. Yes. Yeah, like the chorus, yeah. the, like, super cheesy, soaring guitar th- sounds. The, like, uh, the echo on the vocals gets me. Yeah. And like, it's, it's so perfect. Yeah. But and, like, it's, the, defi- it's such a thing. We joked about it, but, like, the, the, I reach to the sky and call out your name. Like that kind of like yelling of that is so fucking passionate and not really something you associate with nineties pop punk. Um, but it's so spectacularly well done. Cause again, I do think that for this kind of Southern California punk pop punk sound, the offspring are as good as it gets for me without knowing the context. I'm just like, Oh yeah, it's a, it's like a classic kind of breakup song kind of thing like that. And you, then obviously like the actual context behind the song was that Dexter was wrote it, um, as a means of dealing with the fact that his girlfriend died in a car crash. Yeah. So very serious stuff. Wow. Yeah. I was not aware of that. Yeah. So yeah, the, all the lyrics in there, things like I reach to the sky and call out your name. Oh, please let me, I would trade. And it feels like heaven so far away. And it feels that like the world has grown cold now that you've gone away saying that he would gladly trade with her and the world is fucking pointless now. Fucking heavy, heavy shit for a band that like, like The Offspring. Mm. I, I can see why this was a fucking radio hit, right? Like, and he's oh, yeah, like, obviously. The, oh, Probably like, their most accessible song this side of self-esteem. Yeah, like, so by this point, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. easy to pick up on radio. Yeah, like, I think that knowing, like, it's always a good, works as a good kind of, like, break-up-y kind of thing, like, with, like, the 80s metal guitar and the 90s stadium rock, and I feel that kind of thing. Mm, yeah. But, like, knowing the context of it all changes it from any idea of it being, like, not that it sounds cheesy, but you could project cheese onto this or extract yeah. some cheese from it like it was right. I so mean, much milk. Prior to you saying that and, and letting me know about the story behind the song like I was thinking oh my god it would I would live for the moment to be surrounded by people in a stadium when the offspring plays this live and to be screaming along to that chorus but it feels very different yeah. knowing how personal it is like it's it, it's hard to hold that lightly as a fun albeit cathartic but definitely like on the fun side of cathartic yeah, yeah I have to moment. wonder if they're playing this on their current summer tour with 311 <laughs> 
which is a real thing. Uh, yeah. They did a um, they did a split with Three Eleven where yeah, they, they covered, covered each, other each other's songs. So the big two. I came twice. <laughs> <laughs> they played it when I saw them a number of years ago, but that was like... they used to play it, um, and Dexter would play it on piano. Yeah, right. Oh wow. Yeah, because uh, it, it, it's not what I want. Yeah, you I want, want. I want that big. I want stadium rock. I want stadium yeah. rock. Yeah, it is, it is such a wonderful inaction of stadium rock. Yeah, and like, like compared to even their other kind of serious songs, they're like quasi political and stuff like that in certain mm. ways. You can picture them playing in pubs as a rock band, right? Like they were yeah. playing like a pub or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a college, like but a then college. By thing. the time this record came out, they were playing massive festivals. Yeah, this, this is on the back end of Smash, which is still the highest selling independent record of all time. So it's ridiculous. Like yeah. they're one of the biggest bands in the world at the moment when this comes out, and that's why I think it's the idea of being like, okay, this is the biggest that we're ever going to be. I'm not sure if when she died, but like mm. this is the point where I can express my grief more, the most publicly in order to give myself the catharsis that I need, perhaps. But yeah. I, 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 I just think this is an absolute belter of a fucking. Oh rock yeah, song. it's fantastic. Yeah. It's yeah. easily up there as one of their best singles. Yeah, yeah. And like we talked about, like kind of the emotional weight of what um what Dexter's talking about, but like I got to give credit to to everyone in the band, but like. Ron especially Those does a great just, job, like yeah. just the the snare rolls into the chorus. But then you've got Noodles, like Dexter just sings on this song, so like it's all about Noodles just absolutely killing it on lead guitar. Like uh, some of those like note bends remind me a bit of like Jerry Cantrell, like fully mm, man, yeah. Uh, but then like uh, in the I Reach to the Sky bit, like uh, d- that just breaks out into like this really cool like lead sound, like. It works incredibly. Like, obviously, listening to this song growing up, I didn't know no. quite the uh, the the weight of of the song. Uh, I also didn't know that the line was "It stings." Uh, I I, for one, as a child, used to sing, "And it stinks, <laughs> and it stinks." Now, um, I guess it would. Yeah, um, it would I mean, yeah. everything everything stinks, Mister Sherman. <laughs> and number sixty one. This is the Mavises. With cry. Coming in at number 61 in the 1998 Hottest 100 from the album Pink Pills. That's a song called Cry. All rise for the national fucking anthem. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weird country. This is one of the greatest songs this country has ever produced, genre regardless. I look at this song as being a genuinely perfect composition, an homage to... 
decades of incredible pop music. The ABBA call and response of, you know, like 70s pop. It's got the synths of 80s pop. It's got like the rat cat dreamy, like jangly side of, yeah, like 90s pop. It's, it's, you know, when like the catchphrase for Wave FM, the South Coast radio station was the hits of the 80s, 90s and now. They just never updated it. No. Yeah. I was it just was like, like, that's like 2015 and they were still yeah. doing that. It's yeah, like, on, which guys. is amazing. Cry is the sound of the 80s, 90s and now. <laughs> like, it is a, it is an amalgamation of everything and it just comes together in such a beautiful fashion. I'd never heard anything like this the first time. I, I, I remember this video so vividly. It's this gorgeously cheapskate green screen video that probably would have cost like 20 bucks to make, but like, it's just so glammy and like cutesy and kitschy and like they literally own up to the whole like ABBA tribute where Becky and Matt the the siblings that sing in the band they have their faces angled like in the Mamma Mia video clip and then they tu- like they turn and the other one turns etc and like you see them cracking up and stuff like that it's very it's very fucking wholesome I have loved this song for 20 goddamn years, and I do not intend on stopping anytime soon. It's like a dream you don't want to wake up from. You know, that the the gentle kind of clouds of the guitar, but also that little peachy bit of fuzz as well, and you just, ah, oh, it just feels incredible. I just get such a great vibe from this song. I remember it so vividly from my childhood and just throughout the years. Like, it's just something I always come back to. A lot of the songs that we talk about, like, especially a lot of the songs up in the higher end of the Hottest 100, it's just like, yeah, they're great songs. I never need to hear them again. <laughs> I want, like, no one is ever going to go out of their way to, like, play Closer or Wonderwall or, like, Creep or anything like that. Like, those are songs you never need to hear again directly. Like, you're never going to go out of your way to listen to, like, Teen Spirit. I reckon you outed a few listeners who would disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I will fight them in the street. <laughs> I will never get tired of listening to Cry by the fucking Mavises. I want that on record. I want that tattooed across my chest. Like, where my just under my brother's keeper bra boys <laughs> tattoo. Uh, that's exactly where I want it. This is a perfect, perfect song. It's just... It's it's the sound of falling in love. Like, what what more could you want? Better lyrics. Fuck you Whoa. in the mouth. These, the you lyric- just came right out with that. You could have built these. <laughs> That's what I want. Deej, clearly- he asked me, Deej asked me a question. Yeah, what more could I want? It was this a- song. You could at least <laughs> Do you know some- what rhetorical means? <laughs> <laughs> I do, and I choose to ignore it. Bitch. All that you said musically is absolutely true. I don't know whether I quite meet your enthusiasm for it, but man- I mean, have the- you ever? <laughs> the lyrics are just so bad. They're it's- cheesy. Of course they're cheesy. The only way I can kind of like excuse them, and I, and I think it's it's not a bad explanation, is the Mavis sisters themselves have said that they wrote this from a point of view of youth, and I think they are quite youthful lyrics in terms of like, I can imagine someone- who's 15, is forced to do poetry in English class, and this is what they come up with. That's a dragon, huh? Oh, my God, Adam. <laughs> Look at all the rhymes in, in this. It's like the, literally the first rhyme that you would think of. Yeah, exactly. It's like, here's some things that rhyme with Corey. Corey. <laughs> like, it's, it's that in, in every single rhyming couplet. I could pass it off as the charming thing, trying to embody youth with that, but, like... It's just as well that the song has some pretty lovely melodies and textures going in it. I love it. Yeah. Ugh. I don't write this song up. that hard. I'll shut up. 
Oh, here we go. I yeah. don't write for it that much. I, um, you and me. Yeah. I, Grimace and the Hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> Back again. I think there are a lot of really fun ideas being played with in terms of like the dream pop thing and like there's like the overdriven guitar in certain parts as well mm-hmm. but I think that it isn't so much the lyrics for me but just the presence of the vocals don't really work for me so even like when there's like moments that I Nathan's looking aghast yeah. no I was yeah. surprised split the room yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, like even the, there's a bit in the middle there where there's, there's this cool kind of guitar overdriven kind of shoegazy bit and then like he's doing the Ah, ah, over the top of it, and I'm like, I'm not here for this, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I do feel bad because I know there's a huge amount of sentimentality with this song. If you go to the um, the YouTube video for it and the comments there, it's just like it's just fucking sincerity all over. It's really like in not in a dorky way, just like in a really beautiful way, just saying like, drove my boyfriend insane by playing this over and over again. God, I was 17. Where does the time go? Just like people like who remember at this beautiful song and stuff like that. Everyone and, on YouTube is so bummed out, man. <laughs> yeah, Everyone yeah. on YouTube comes to YouTube to air out some pretty. Serious. Remember the dude who had like dude, that breakup dude. story. Oh, he was, I hope oh, he's all right. Oh, right. Yes. I really hope he's okay, man. I really yeah. hope everyone on YouTube is okay. Yeah, well, you, we know that YouTube. they're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's full of Nazis. <laughs> Nazis. Nazis and sad people. Yeah. <laughs> sad Nazis. <laughs> Um, yeah, like obviously I've known this song, but I've never really given it like a critical engagement. I've mm. just been, I, I, don't, I don't, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know that song "Cry" by the Mavises. I think I like and, it more than you do. Yeah, I think you definitely yeah. do. I think I yeah. do. <laughs> I, 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 I don't enjoy this All song. Right. Like, I don't, I don't like this song. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't, I don't mind it. Like, I think, I think musically and production wise, I think it's it really sings and there's a lot sharp, of beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the way which that is interesting. The beat kicks in from that synth at the start. It's just like. It's just like there's a lot of crispness. Hits. Yeah, it's very crisp. Yeah, interesting though, because Matt from the Mavises has gone on record talking about how initially the production for the song got off to a rough start. In his words, they invited a quote unquote legendary <laughs> guest producer onto the song, but had to kick him out Whoa. of the studio and start from scratch because it was sounding, in his words, like a muddy mess. Who do you think it was? Phil Spector. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. legendary makes a muddy mess. Wall of sound. It's got. It's got to be Phil Spector. It is Phil Spector. They were Someone lucky to please <laughs> cite us on Wikipedia. They were lucky to get out of there alive then if they yeah. kicked him out of the studio. Yeah. Like, I reckon it was Shining Ian style. Molly Meldrum, yeah. just quietly. <laughs> I reckon it was Dickie Wilkins. <laughs> Dickie Knee. It, it was, was Dickie. Dickie knee. <laughs> Mr. Mavis's, Mr. Mavis's. <laughs> I also like that they've gone on record saying that they think releasing Naughty Boy, <laughs> previous entry to the Hot yes. 100, yep. followed by Cry, says a lot about them as a band. Yeah. Classic, you it know, does. Australian bands just yeah. not really caring for genre. You obviously go with Cry as the lead single. Maybe, like, follow up with Naughty Boy? Like, maybe? Every, like, music manager is like, oh, yeah. my God. Hey, see if you guys agree with me on this one as well, but I think part of the vocal melody sounds very similar, not in a you're going to get sued kind of way, but it definitely reminded me of it. I had, was in my head going like, oh, what is this? What is this? There She Goes by The Lars from 1993. Yeah, sure. Okay. The, I can um, see that. We're opening a legal can of worms here for the Mavises. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they're, they're, they're Sorry, they're you don't reformed. hate this song. <laughs> you want to strip them of all their royalties. <laughs> Just let me say, yeah. <laughs> no, I love this song. I probably don't love it as much as you, but that you know, that's all right. Probably no one ever will. It's yeah, a defending right. scale. It's crisp. It's like yeah, beautiful melodies. Yeah. It makes me like think about how many uh, 
you know, Australian people our age, I was, and still am, very into Savage Garden, but like, you know, had had cassettes of Savage Garden or whatever. That's not a bad parallel to draw, man. Yeah, but yeah. I think just the moment that I realised, or probably someone told me, and it was one of those real, like, glass-shattering moments, is like, oh yeah, Savage Garden is just like 80s music, but wrapped up as 90s pop songs. It's mm. like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But this this makes me think of that, because again, it's just like, it's just packaging so many pop tropes um but I, I just think it's beautiful like i have a great time listening to this i have a great time singing along to it it's i think it's a great song if problems persist take two pills and call me in the morning All what right? color pills are those david i mean they could be anything <laughs> yeah like, that's true <laughs> red let's talk about men's red. rights <laughs> yeah. this is it for the mavis disease well they, this well, they split up them. not too long after uh, they put out now in 03 so oh yeah, like post posthumously, and yes. they had a single and they because they had the record and they were sitting on it for ages. Uh, um, but then it didn't get uh, used um, because the label was just like, oh well, there isn't a fucking cry on here, so yeet. Isn't isn't bitch empty? But yeah, I think I don't know. It's just worth shouting out. We talked about the Mavis's uh, first in season four with Thunder. I really like that track. I'm going to bring up some uh, sentimental music just yeah, as nice. we say goodbye oh. underneath here. This might be a thing when we say goodbye to all bands. Oh, yeah. so, season five, we talked about Naughty Boy, which I think I remember you enjoying a bit. Yeah, I do remember enjoying that. And now this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three times. Three, yeah, yeah. Don't it cry, guys. Don't cry. Once a season for three okay, seasons. Right. So, so we're chatting about it for years. We're leaving yeah. on a high. Literally we're years. leaving on a high. We so. were so young when we first talked about the Mavis's. Oh, oh man. Not anything about it. Yeah. Like, full, I'm sure I was very problematic in my youth. Out of the mouths of babes, really. Oh, good grief. Come, great content. Good Subscribe. <laughs> Fucking hell. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to listening. As a concept. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important for content. Yeah. It's Thanks good to for all the songs and listeners. this podcast. Without listening. Thanks to listening. We appreciate the support. <laughs> Uh, before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites in a move surprising absolutely no one. I'm picking Cry by the Mavises, and we have a new champ, bitches. Yeah. Uh, my least favourite is Antenna with Come On Spring. Is it a new chump? Nah. No. You can't beat Bren the Man, not yet. No, no. It's going to take wow. a shitstorm to beat Bren the Man. Yeah. Well... Uh, I'm going to pick Fatboy Slim as uh, my favourite from this episode. And, oh, I mean, Frenzel Rom. This is a problem. There was a Frenzel Rom song, and now it's like, do I have to just have this the rest of the countdown? Maybe you do. Maybe I do. I'm going to, I guess I'll keep, yeah, I'll keep Frenzel Rom as my champ. Um, It's enough that you were considering it. That's true. Let that go on the record. Uh, Antenna, clear fifth favourite from this, but I will keep Metallica, the Unforgiven 2, as my chump. Um, my I, loved favorite, I loved it. That's your chump. <laughs> my favourite was also Fatboy Slim's Rockefeller Skank, but my champ also remains Frenzel. Uh, my weakest track on this was Antenna, but my chump remains Brand Van 3K. Yeah, easy favourite in Rockefeller Skank. Very tempted, like Nathan, to make it my carryover champ, but I will retain Rage Against the Machine, No Shelter. Uh, my least favourite was also Come On Spring. Oh, dragging them. Yeah, it wasn't a very good song. No. <laughs> well, that, that's it. That's just that's wasn't. why, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. that's okay. why we didn't like it. Yeah, mm. we, we, we drag bad things. Yeah, that's what we do here. Yeah, raison d'être. Yeah, that, that's the tea, sis, as they say on Twitter now. Uh, my chump remains drinking in LA, though. Of course. Of course. The worst thing mm. of the wow. things that we've 
just quickly, Adam, oh, no, Nazis again. <laughs> always the Nazis. Always forgetting the that. big two. <laughs> so what? Nazis. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening once again. Uh, it's a it's a great concept. We're super into it, and we're glad that you're into it as well. <sighs> On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher, cheers, Mr. Nathan Harrison, bye, Mr. Andrew McDonald, good night. My name is Fatboy Deej. Everything is. Boy! <laughs>